0: Heads up, this week, Sebastian and John bang their heads against Guitar Hero, Teddy Bear movies, and Naked Splits as we hop into the mosh pit on Here's Why It's Great.
1: Hey, droogies. Welcome to Here's Why It's Great, the podcast where we take what you hate and
0: tell you why it's great. I'm Sebastian Kablicek. And hello, me, meet the real me. I'm John Bring.
1: That's Is that a reference
0: the... that I'll get later. That's a Megadeth song. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's like the real Slim Shady. Sure. Yeah.
1: Please stand up. Well, welcome, everybody, to this new episode. Uh, we will be jumping
0: into the live world of Megadeth. And I'm mega excited. Oh, hell yeah. Let me just say real quick that this episode is the first, hopefully of many, suggested by one of our listeners, Darren Beasley of Valdosta, Georgia. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Darren, for suggesting that. Yeah, thanks for suggesting. Thanks for bringing this up. As we've established on the show before, I am a bit of a metalhead. I am uh, much more of a novice to this world.
1: When I was in high school, I definitely had a group of friends that were really into heavy metal and hardcore music much more so than I was. So I'm sure I've heard a lot of this uh, accidentally, but I never sat down and intentionally
0: listened and banged my head to an entire album of Megadeth. Okay, well, today's going to be new for you. I uh, became a huge metalhead back in high school. I had a friend who introduced me to Metallica. Uh, Not for the first time. I had, of course, heard Metallica, Inner Sandman. You couldn't avoid it for the early 90s. And Megadeth was always a punchline to me. Even before I knew anything about metal, Megadeth was always, like, the lesser than Metallica. Like, they were aspiring to be Metallica. They wish they were Metallica. But the more I listened to heavy metal music and the more I listened to Megadeth, I came to appreciate them. They got some pretty rad tunes. They kind of sound like a character that Rob Liefeld would have created. Oh, yeah. Very extreme. (laughs) I describe them a little bit as Megadeth is what most people think of when they think of heavy metal. Because okay. I feel like Metallic has transcended the heavy metal uh, genre in a way. Like they are just a huge rock band yeah. anymore. They're like yeah. on the level of a U two. Megadeth though, that kind of silly name mm-hmm. with that weird metallic font, his Dave Mustaine's voice, which is very weird and peculiar uh-huh. and just thrash metal, long solos. Just crazy screaming. It's just what people think of when they think of a heavy metal band. Also, Dave Mustaine's got this huge, long mop of red hair. He's always had it. I describe Marie Kondo in the same way. Do you know from uh, <laughs> yeah. Netflix's Tidying Up? I said Marie Kondo is what Americans think a Japanese person is like. She's basically an anime character come to life. That's the same with Megadeth. They are what people think think a heavy metal band is, if they were to like draw one in their notebook, it would be Megadeth. Gotcha. So- but, I mean, geez, they're part of the big four of heavy metal. Obviously, is the top of that. Then you got Megadeth, you have Anthrax, you got Slayer. So they're not like just a band to sneeze at. They've had huge amount of success. A couple of their albums in the early 90s were true classics. Countdown to Extinction, Rust in Peace are both huge classics in the metal world, and they've just got some really killer songs, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to dive into it. So what so your knowledge you have like very little baseline knowledge about Megadeth.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So do you know some of their album titles which is let's just get right into okay. why they're great. We're eventually going to by the way listen to songs go song by song track by track. On one of their greatest hits albums. But before we get to that, I want to just talk about them as a whole. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I, I could not name a single album. I couldn't name a lot of bands albums, though, so don't take that personally, Megadeth. Okay. Um, They're going to come just, after you, man. I'm just not good at an album. A, it, yeah. You're not a big music listener in general, right? No, not right? really. Yeah. Which I find so crazy. Yeah. Like, you're maybe the only person I've ever known who's like, meh, music is fine. I like music, but yeah, when I was... Driving to school in high school,
1: I would usually put on, like, talk radio or, like, the news, mainly. mainly you mean, like, old-school
0: podcasts, basically? Yeah. That's, kids, those are called old-school podcasts. <laughs> but, yeah, mainly I would just listen to the news, the traffic, the weather. So you were just an old fogey. Yeah, pretty much. In your car. But I always knew what the weather was going to be, so that's good. It's always a good thing to know. So yes. let's jump into some album titles. Okay, great. So they are my favorites. Mind. They they also have very cool album art they also have the most heavy metal album art maybe iron maiden has a more metal look to it because they've got eddie their undead zombie yeah guy that they have on all their album covers i, ha- I have always loved album art especially have a metal album art because i just think that as an artist i've always
1: been an artist and in high school i loved drawing especially dark things and fantasy things and and so i always really loved the album art whether or not i owned the album or not if it was like a friend's album or if i had to just like find the covers in like
0: those old columbia house music oh yeah uh, things did um, you ever call 1-800 music now you probably didn't no oh man me and my best friend I called, uh 1-800 weather you called the weather channel hotline <laughs> oh what a risk taker you were my best friend and I used to call 1-800-MUSIC-NOW, which was this call-in music service. You could listen to songs. You could sample albums. You could order albums. But if you were clever enough, you could get to a live person to get recommendations. Oh. But we weren't looking for recommendations. We were looking just to be assholes. So just we had Listen to music? No, we didn't do it to listen to music. We called to screw with the people on the phone. Oh, so you wanted a live person, but you wanted no recommendations or you yeah, wanted Yeah. We to already knew something. what we wanted to listen to. We gotcha. were we were with it as kids. Gotcha. But man, we fucked with a lot of poor unfortunate souls on the other line. They got so mad at us until one day. I guess they kept us on the line long enough to like track what our number was or look us up somehow. Because yeah, we were on the phone and we were just we were doing some dumb voice or doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression or something, and they're like, "Oh, is your mother home?" And then they named my mom by her full name, and we went "Ah," and we hung up the (laughs) phone immediately. It was horrifying, and I don't think we ever called them again after that. They they won. So if you're still out there, a person, touche, <laughs> touche <laughs> to you because yeah, you took down two of the the prankiest prank caller kids that you ever met. Yeah. Oh man, what a sad day that was. You can't out prank a prankster. Was this uh, what was the name of the hotline? One eight hundred music now, and that was unrelated to. Now that's what I call music. Yeah, now that what I 20. call music is an uh, CDs that they put out. Okay compiling the hits of the day okay those were great for the first like five volumes those were pretty excellent what are they up to now probably up to like 50 or so by now i mean i think they came out with at least one or two a year since 1995 or six something like that's what i call marketing oh hell yeah man people still buy them apparently they're still making them (laughs) weird stuff but had we asked for a recommendation of megadeth on 100 music now here's some of the titles they would have given us now, and I'm going to read them in the voice that Dave Mustaine might sing it because that's, the I believe, the way they sound best. Okay. Killing is my business, and business is good. I like it. So, killing is my business, dot, 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 and business is good, exclamation point. This is one thing. For their first three albums, ellipses and all three. I like the good use of an ellipses, mm-hmm. you know? Punctuation Yeah. in their first. There's an exclamation point for this one in their third album, a question mark, in their second one. Whoa. Their second one, which is... P sells, but who's buying? So P sells, but who's buying? Was there an ellipses in there as well? P or? sells, dot dot dot, but who's buying? I like Question it. Question mark. It, it builds anticipation, it builds tension. Yeah. I'm like, how's the rest of this title gonna go? Yeah. And then they deliver And then you find out, and then but who's buying? That is a good clever yeah. line. Yeah. And then the next one, so far, so good, so what? I like that one. That's a good one. I
1: like that one.
0: I I mean, like, I I know I'm making fun of them, or it sounds like I'm making fun of them. I legitimately love all of these. They are such, like, angry youth album titles. Yeah. They're they're fantastic. That's a good, like, bratty teenager move, that title. Yeah. So far, so good, so what? Yeah. Next up, we got Rust in Peace. A little bit lighter, but... I like it if it's, like, to me, it conjures, like, rebellious robots yeah well on the cover it's their uh it's their mascot who i came to find was named Vic rattlehead, rattlehead. who's like a, a skeleton with like a metal covering his eyeballs he's pretty gnarly looking but it's him in a suit and like a hanger mm. and there's like an alien in a metal container in front of him wow it's pretty sweet so, Rust in Peace. Rest in Peace. I'm going to have to look that up later. That sounds cool. This one's a little bit more standard, but Countdown to Extinction. Yeah. Which is just, like, pretty standard metal that's, album. That's a pretty standard, like, tagline for armageddon and that one was the album that i always remembered being around i think that's their highest selling album of all time i believe came out in 91 or 92 and it was like a very pink floydish album cover of a emaciated old man in a in a cage or not a cage but in a cell but it's a cool album cover it's a very striking album cover uh the next one it's called euthanasia but youth spelled y-o-u-t-h so... How's the rest of it spelled? Is it, like, young people in Asia? No, not in Asia, but an Asia. One like, of many Asias? <laughs> yeah. One of the several Asias that are offered to us. Okay. Well, so, I'm in. And then uh, the next one that I like is United Abominations. Yeah, that's that's, just, sounds, that's, that's cool. just like a... Uh, all right, let's go. It's metal. That sounds metal, like baby. A good, uh,
1: that sounds like a good team name.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a good, like, villain team name. Yeah. Like the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah. Which, why would they call themselves... Why would they specify that we're evil? Obviously, they changed it to the Brotherhood or the Brotherhood of Mutants later. But Magneto's team, obviously. They're like, I mean, it was metal, you know? They're like, we're evil mutants. I mean, Magneto was the head, so he was like, let's make it metal. Yeah. That was a good Magneto voice. Baby. Endgame, which is, yeah, we're getting to more standard titles. I feel like that that rebellious youth sort of drifted away as success and money and fame came to them. And then dystopia. Is Ooh. one of their more recent efforts. Yeah, dystopia. But they're they are recording today. Right now? Today while we're recording? Yeah, probably. probably in the next room? Yeah. We're sharing studio space? <laughs> we are in the Here's Why It's Great Studio. Um, but no, they're still making music. They're out there. There was a time when Dave Mustaine while in treatment for alcohol and drug abuse, he suffered an injury to his arm, which left his, I believe, left hand unable to make a fist, which means you certainly can't play guitar. It took over a year of physical therapy, but he came back better than ever, let's say. I mean, can he play guitar now? Yeah, he can play guitar. He's oh, back nice. to it. Um, that's what I'm saying. They're they're back to it. They, uh, he can it make a like fist. He can. It looked like the, the band was going to break up there for a little bit. And I feel like as, as soon as they said they were finally going to break up, they were going to announce it. I think they came out with what was supposed to be their last album, which I believe was Endgame or United Abominations. And people liked it enough that they decided to stick with it and keep making music as Megadeth. I like the dramatic scene of them being like we got to break up and he's left alone in his room desperately trying to make a fist Uh with his left hand and he wills it to happen but instead of making a fist he makes like the metal symbol with his hand like satan's your pal yeah yeah Yeah. and then he like comes out on the stage and because i believe it was like brazil somewhere like rio de janeiro oh he was meeting edward cullen yeah he was he was meeting edward and bella there for their honeymoon playing Mm -hmm. a little private show nice and he was like hey edward and bella we're gonna stay playing together and they're like uh who are you <laughs> in this movie is he played by jack black as well no he's dave mustaine obviously plays himself oh okay. there's literally no one on earth that looks like or sounds like dave mustaine okay do you even know who Dave Mustaine is? You generally do, yeah. right? I mean, he's got a long mop of red hair, <laughs> right? Uh, a weird singing voice, yeah, really intense voice, yeah. They didn't, but uh, I was just looking for the Hollywood version of like. Well, yeah, if we got to go for that, then Jack Black's gonna have to lose a little bit of weight, probably uh, wear some platform
1: wear a, shoes, wear the wig that the girl from
0: Brave wore in the movie Eclipse. Yes, okay. exactly. The Merida wig yes. from Eclipse, from, from the Eclipse. Twilight Saga colon Eclipse. Yes. See previous episodes. Check that out. That's good That's good marketing, man. <laughs> That's just good branding. Good job. But yeah, for the longest time, Dave Mustaine didn't even want to sing for the band. He had played for Metallica. Yeah. He actually wrote songs on their first two albums, uh, which we'll get into one of those songs later because okay. they basically used an entire song almost exactly that was a song he had written and asked for them not to use and they just changed the lyrics and changed the tempo a little bit and made it a completely different and better song boom work around thanks vanilla ice yeah buddy ding it's not know. that ding 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 it's that ding 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 yep, yep. yep. it's slightly higher so obviously <laughs> it's an all original piece yeah um so wait so he was writing songs so was he in the band yeah he was in metallica he was Basically, their guitar player. He was their lead guitarist. Okay. Uh, Alongside Kirk Hammett, obviously. Sure. But James Hetfield and especially Lars Ulrich are already sort of egomaniacs. Dave Mustaine is also a raging megalomaniac. So I think those three personalities just did not fit together. Uh Plus, Dave was a huge drug and alcohol user. And even though those guys could drink back in the day, he was just a level above them even. Gotcha. And so he couldn't get his shit together. He couldn't play sometimes. And I think the personality clashes are what did them in, in that case. So he was kicked out of the band. They still used some of his work. And on the bus ride back from New York, where they were recording Kill em All, all the way to Los Angeles, Dave Mustaine vowed, he said, I'm going to make a band that's heavier and faster than Metallica. And he didn't quite think of the name Megadeth yet, but that would come soon. He would write some songs on that bus ride that would begin the basis of Megadeth's first album. He would soon have other members. He would hire his neighbor as a bassist, whose name is David Ellefson, who is one of the other basically long-standing members of the group who's been there from the beginning. He was gone for a while because even his drug and alcohol addictions got so bad that he got kicked out. He couldn't play anymore. Jeez, these people. I, I know. Like, reading the history is like... The most disturbing thing, because people are just in and out of this band like crazy. Everybody's fucked up. Everybody's drunk. Everybody's going to rehab every five minutes. They've lost so many members for that reason. Dave Mustaine himself has had to go to rehab. They've had to cancel tours. They've had to cancel shows. They've had to cancel DVD recordings. They've had to cancel albums because of their addiction problems. And I feel like it probably held them back. I don't know if Megadeth would have ever reached the levels of Metallica, because they are a little bit more niche of a band, But I feel like had they been able to keep their shit together, they may be more on the level with Metallica. That's metal, baby. That's rock and roll. They're living the life. And Metallica certainly did that, too. But I guess Metallica was just so damn good that they, once again, they Twilight Saga eclipsed (laughs) their own personal problems. But what we're going to listen to today is uh, the songs off the album Greatest Hits. Back to the Start, which was released in 2005. It's a compilation from all of their albums. And, well, obviously all of their albums up to 2005. They've had three or four. I actually listened to probably the first five albums in their entirety in preparation for this. And they're just good headbanging times. They're super fun. Uh, a lot of, like, political themes and political lyrics Oh in boy! There. Oh, boy. But, hey, you know, I'm also a fan of, like, System of a Down, who uh-huh. always have a political... Slant to them. Uh-huh. So I'm into that stuff. I'm into just some baller ass, banging ass metal music. And the first song on this album is my favorite Megadeth song. Oh, awesome. We're it, starting
1: with number one. Now. Oh, yeah.
0: We are just like coming out the gate strong. We're going to talk about Holy Wars, the punishment due, right after this. I'm sorry. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Thanks, Huey. So, yeah, we just listened to Holy Wars, The Punishment Due from the album Rust in Peace, the opening number of Rust in Peace, and man, do they come out of the gate a-swingin'. What do you think? That was sick. It Actually, was really fun. I loved it. It reminded
1: me of being in high school and college and just the friends that I did have, and I did go and see a couple of them were in bands. You know, i go and see them play and stuff, and just the, like, it it was just such a pure headbanging song. Uh, It was really fun it was funny though because the intro was so long i was like wait are there not lyrics this <laughs> just this is just the music but also speaking of the lyrics it's like such so many metal songs where it's like you can barely understand what they're saying yeah but when you get the lyrics and back in the day friends if you didn't have
0: the album with the lyrics inside, you had to really work to get those lyrics. You were like, ah, I know, I now I it. just look online for five seconds and found them all. Yeah. Actually, w- looking through this, uh, looking through the lyrics as we were listening to it now, I actually found some things for the first time that I was <laughs> like, oh, that's what he's saying. Okay, great. But this is like the perfect Megadeth song to okay. me. This song encapsulates everything that they're about it is fast it's heavy it's political it's a great example of dave Mustaine's voice uh his guitar playing style it's got a lot of time changes yeah on it yeah it's it's a cool it's like four different songs in one because i, I really love how it drops out in the middle yeah, yeah the middle part is actually one of my favorite parts of any metal song it's just really cool it slows down it goes to like a new style of riff that's yeah. not quite as headbanging it's pretty badass it's just a badass song yeah Badass is a great word for it, but yeah, I I thought it was great. It was.
1: um, Thank you for grabbing those lyrics. It was fun to read the lyrics. Yeah, went through very
0: condemning of war and the idea of war and the war machine that sadly our country propagates most of the time you could tell it's just that the song it gets you just riled up and pissed off yeah which is what i like about it actually about what i don't care yeah it doesn't matter war man my parents don't understand Nah, I they mean, don't understand war i don't understand war but i'm mad about that too the song just really it just gets your blood pumping absolutely it was completely an energizing song I yeah was
1: like oh i need to add this
0: to my to my iPhone for when I'm at the gym or when I'm about to get into a fight. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'll be like, hold on, buddy. Hold on. Let me put on my AirPods. <laughs> Hopefully, they won't fall out of my ears. I actually have this as when I used to go running, I uh, would go to a track nearby and go running. This would be the album I would play to keep my energy up, to keep my spirits up, uh-huh. and uh, we'll get to what my... Other than, as I've mentioned on a past episode before for Transformers, the movie soundtrack, where I would play Real American by Rick Derringer, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan's old entrance music. <laughs> yeah, There's another song on here that was like my power song that okay. usually it's, I think, about 30 minutes into the album that it would come up. And that usually would be the point where my energy would dip. And this song would come on. And, man, it would get me through every time. And it'd be so good and get me across that finish line. Nice, nice. But shall we go on to the next song? Let's. In My Darkest Hour from the album So Far So Good good, so what? Poor Dave Mustaine's little broken heart. Man, in my darkest hour indeed. I know. He was
1: experiencing his dark night of the soul for sure.
0: Looking at these lyrics, you just see this guy was in a whole lot of pain. Yeah. Actually, would you permit me a brief dramatic reading? Because I think this works as... A poem. Oh, please do. Please do. I'll just do the beginning,
1: as we are limited on time. This is called In My Darkest Hour, from my collection So Far, So Good, So What? In my hour of need, Ha! No, you're not there. And though I reached out for you, wouldn't lend a hand, through the darkest hour, Your grace did not shine on me. Feels so cold. Very cold. No one cares for me. Did you ever think I get lonely? Did you ever think that I needed love? Did you ever think... Stop thinking! You're the only one I'm thinking of? You'll never know how hard I tried. To find my space and satisfy you too. Things will be
0: better when I'm dead and gone. Man, I really felt that in the pits of my soul. As I'm sure Dave Mustaine did as well. He's Uh, he's definitely right now a chill ran through his entire being. Yeah. And he was like, somebody gets it. (laughs) It's true. Actually, he was like, somebody gets it. Somebody gets it. I feel like Dave Mustaine maybe lost his or missed his calling as a voice actor. He's got a crazy weird voice. He could have been any one of the Transformers. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely into the Transformers. He could have been a G.I. Joe very easily. Yeah. He would yeah. have definitely been a good Ninja Turtle villain yeah. at the time. A Shredder, he, a Commander Cobra. uh uh-huh. Commander Cobra. Commander <laughs> That's the Italian version. <laughs> hey, I'm a Commander Cobra. It's me, Mustaine. I'm a Commander Cobra. <laughs> he definitely could have been, like, a Street Shark, perhaps. Sure, sure. He could have been one, one of shark, Heathcliff's yeah. Street Tough buddies. Yeah. Hey, Heathcliff! Where are you going to go? Are you going to walk on that fence today? Uh...
1: He's got quite a range, actually, with his voice. I've been impressed over these last two songs that he's able to, like, really just gnarl it up. Yeah. And then he's also got this sort of. I don't know. He's got a lighter touch to it that he does once in a while.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing that's weird to me is of finding out more about the band. I didn't realize that Dave Mustaine had no intentions of being the lead singer for this band cuz I can't imagine these songs with anybody else singing them. Yeah, neither could he apparently. So he did this and he is a screamer. Uh he's got a ton of emotion when he sings, yeah. which is actually like a legitimate thing. Like not everybody has that. That's hard yeah. to find sometimes, and he's got it, by God. Like He sings from the pits of his gut, Definitely. and you feel his pain, especially in a song like this that's basically a suicide note, uh, leaving for his ex, Yeah, which also says, I'm so alone without you, but also, fuck you. You suck. Yeah. You, you never believed me. You made me question myself, made me think I was crazy. It's a very twisted love affair that he had with this woman. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're that depressed, you know, and when you've gone through all that stuff, I think all of those emotions do run through, where it's like, oh, don't leave me, I hate you, and, you know, there's all yeah. that stuff, as we learned from Twilight. Um, <laughs> and we we definitely ran the gamut of this in this song. He's saying that all things shall pass, and it's a good thing that this thing passed away. He, I guess, ending it, I saw that as a positive note, maybe, like, it was a good thing, it passed away, he's moving on. Probably wasn't intended that way. Maybe she was dead. If she wasn't already, then he was about to do it himself, Yikes. because... Yeah, he seemed pretty pissed. Uh, but Is it too late to call the cops about this song? Uh, probably. I think All it right. came out in 88. We'll just let it go. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever was going to happen, happened by now. Yeah, yeah, nothing we can do about it. Uh, but I, I just want to mention that I noticed when the lyrics were over, we still had almost two minutes left of the song to go. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, I, but it goes into a really fast headbanging section after these. this sort of slower more melodic song than, yeah. than the first one. And yeah, he gives it like about two minutes, which is the standard time of a Beatles song for just thrashing and headbanging. And it gets just faster and ramps up and ramps up and ramps up. And eventually it ends where it began a slow, cool riff. Before we move on, I did want to mention that comparing them to Metallica, listening to the song, it sort of occurred to me that the bass in the songs uh-huh. is so much heavier. Metallica is not a bass forward band. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually, especially in the album, and Justice for All, it is just buried so deep you basically can't hear it. Uh, Now they're getting a little bit better about it, putting it more forward, but Megadeth is a very bass-forward band, and I think it really adds a lot to the, the music. I think it's great. They have a great bass player. They have a great drummer, at least at this point. I know they've gone through like 50 drummers. Like the wow. Spinal Tap joke is like <laughs> totally them. I know they've gone through a ton of drummers. Wow. But um but yeah, I just wanted to mention the the bass lines are really cool in this. They really add a lot to like a good counterpoint to the guitar playing, which oh. again, we don't get a lot in Metallica.
1: I, I loved the intro to this song. Yeah. It definitely brought me in. It got its hooks in me. And it was so different from the previous song that we just listened to. Yeah, it definitely brought me in and I was excited about the song. It just was a totally different tone from the the first one. Yeah. Eventually it gets to, as you said, it gets to the like headbanging and
0: stuff. Right. But his the whole tempo of the song was just it, it brought me in. I yeah. was like, Oh, what's what's this poor dude going through? Yeah. Yeah. He had a rough time. Back to the, the bass playing, or rather, speaking of the bass playing, yes? our next song from the album Peace Sells, but who's buying? We're talking about Peace, sells. Hell yeah! That was an intense ending. Oh yeah, sure was. Went
1: into like an echo chamber at the end
0: there. Oh man, so good, so good. I mean, we're going to sound like we're repeating ourselves a lot this episode because I'm going to come into this saying like, yeah, that was a banger, bro, but by God it was. I love the opening bass line. I love how just rage-filled it is, how angry it is. And I love that outro with them just repeating the line, the mantra, if you will, Peace Sells, But Who's Buying? Yeah. When I saw that this
1: song was called Peace Sells, and it was off of the album Peace Sells, But Who's Buying, I was hoping that the next song would be a companion song, which was But Who's
0: Buying. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, but at the very end, I was like, oh, I guess it's just this one
0: song. Yeah, sorry, it's sad to say, perhaps in a later album, they will contribute a, title, a track called but who's buying, and you will be the one person who will have predicted that. Yeah. And it'll just be him saying, but who's buying, over and over again, and then you have to play both songs on top of each other. Oh, wow. Because but who's buying is just nothing. It's just empty. It's just – Dead air yeah. until the very end yeah. when they get into their coda of the song where they say, peace, hells, but who's buying? And so it's just the parts that say, but who's buying? I like that idea, And though. you have to play them. It's like that Flaming Lips album where you had to, I think it's called Zyrica, where you have to play the same CD on four different players at the same time to get the music in totality. It's like that. Yeah. I like that there's uh, another meaning if you layer
1: other albums on top of this album like yeah they'll do another album where they add just one more other word and it completely changes the entire meaning of the um of the song yeah because they'll just add not at the end yeah yeah yeah
0: it's like peace sells but who's not buying yeah yeah Yeah. like oh now i get it now it doesn't make any sense peace sells but who's not buying what was which means people are buying peace who what so what was the other album you said the zika Z- I, th- I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it in front of me. I believe it's called Zyreka. Oh, uh, I wish st- it were called Zika. Oh no, <laughs> it's not a not a virus no. in Florida, but yeah, it's the Flaming Lips doing get this something experimental. What <laughs> crazy, right? They also, I believe, made an album, or at least uh, I believe it was an album where it had to be like something between eighty to a hundred people playing on different devices at the same time. Could you imagine trying to coordinate that in a CD based era? where like every CD player takes a certain amount of time to get warmed up and to get playing yeah. like how could you ever actually get all of them to play at one time i think the idea was Maybe to get a bunch of cars point. in one area everybody press play at once it's kind of like playing the wizard of oz with dark side of the moon on top of it you got to hit play right as the at the third roar of the lion mm-hmm. to get it perfectly synced up mm-hmm. have you ever done that uh, yeah, I have actually. It's fantastic. When Dorothy opens the door and money starts with the cha-ching sound, wearing Technicolor all of a sudden, and that cha-ching starts going, that's money, baby. Yeah. That's money. Yeah. So good. So good. The album plays more than once over the course of that movie. And then when she finally goes back to Kansas, when she wakes up in her bed, safe and sound, what is the lyric that David Gilmore sings? He sings, home home again wow it's amazing I loved it so much I only did it once with me and my buddies back in college it was a great day and we weren't high have you ever synced it up with the movie Splash no it doesn't do anything well that's disappointing (laughs) yeah but I bet it's still a good experience because Splash is a delight yeah you're just watching Splash yeah so I mean no matter what's playing in the background you're enjoying the fine film that is Splash yeah you're just like looking at Daryl Hannah being a mermaid yeah young Tom Hanks what's not to like yeah I don't know it's good stuff Uh, But definitely, that all definitely relates to Megadeth somehow. Peace sells, everybody. Peace sells. Again, it's a freaking banger. It made me want to go punch somebody. Made me want to jump into a mosh pit and kick some ace. But also made me want to think about the military industrial complex a little bit, you know? I wanted to hear the Beastie Boys play this song. Why the Beastie Boys? I don't know. I just was like, hey, you know what? I could hear the Beastie Boys doing these lyrics. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe the lyrics. Definitely not this. Yeah, their take on it. Not quite a rager as this one is. Yeah. But you get some Rick Rubin in with the Beastie Boys. They'd make it fun. Yeah. They'd make the military industrial complex just fun and just a little nice little jaunt. Yeah. To play at a block party in Queens or Brooklyn. Yeah. That sounds great. That sounds great. Maybe we could uh, get the Beastie Boys back together, the two remaining members of the Beastie Boys, and convince them to record P-Cells. Why not? Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go do that. Also, we're going to listen to our next song from Countdown to Extinction, Sweating Bullets. And we'll be right back.
1: All right. So let me just start by telling you my
0: favorite lyric so far. Nice story. Tell it to Reader's Digest. Damn it. That was the one I was going to quote, too. <laughs> it's exactly the line that I had. Oh, boy. What a great song. This is by far the most theatrical song. Yeah. They they incorporate all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's the most clearly told story, I think.
1: Uh, at least you can understand him most clearly. Yeah. They incorporate the
0: demonic laugh. They incorporate echoing at the end like not echoing like overlapping of the yes lines. It, it's it's all the the song is all about him sort of having a psychotic break yeah <laughs> and talking to himself and so most of the time unless he's speaking using his speaking voice if he's talking it's uh it's overlaid him singing low and him singing high together yeah and duetting essentially with himself which is such a brilliant way to progress the story of the song while also just sounding Cool. And, and you're totally right. They use every trick in the book, in yeah. the song. It's it's fantastic. And yes, the nice story, tell it to Reader's Digest. Man, mm-hmm. oh man, we keep coming back to him saying, this is where I get my uh, reference from earlier in the episode where I said, hello me, meet the real me. I quote that so much. Specifically with my cousin, uh, we love how silly that is. Yeah. And I remember like one early morning on MTV seeing this video, and it's mostly Dave Mustaine singing to himself and uh, singing to his own mirror image, oh. very Mary Poppins style. Okay, um, it's it's great. I feel like his acting on this song is pretty great. And as we've mentioned, we think that he could have been a voice actor. So I actually looked up. It's like has Dave Mustaine been an actor before? Oh, crap, has he? Twice. He's got two acting credits one he played himself on one episode of the drew carey show in Uh, 1998 okay so that's obviously just like oh here's a celebrity showing up even though by 1998 i feel like probably the the shine on megadeth had waned well maybe the people at on the drew carey show were like you know who we've always enjoyed and he's disappeared dave mustaine yeah yeah megadeth maybe they're just a bunch of droogies yeah. Which we the, maybe that's where Drew got his name. Oh the Dougie Carey show. Oh man, that would be pretty spectacular if his mother yeah. went forward in time yeah. before he was born. Yeah. She got that Spotify money, she borrowed yep. our time machine. Uh-huh. Because now with a time machine involved. We could exist any time we want. So it could have been in the 60s when, or whenever Drew Carey was born. I assume the 60s, maybe the 70s. Who knows? He's somebody who I never know how old he is. Yeah. He's always looked like a 45-year-old man. Yeah, forever. Even now that he's probably pushing 60. He's probably 90 years old now. Oh, he is. Or he's like 20. Which is, yeah, he could be 20. Yeah. He may have been born, come out of the womb, looking exactly like he does now. Yeah, with those glasses even. Exactly. Yeah, and a suit. Uh, but his mother probably borrowed our time machine from our Spotify money, Sure, went forward in time, mm-hmm. listened to Megadeth, became a Droogie herself, and she was yeah. like, that's what i got to name my kid yeah. so that he can one day have Dave Mustaine on his show. Yeah. She's a very, very smart woman, had a lot of things figured out. That was a lot of effort that she put into it because she's just that good of a mom. She, she is. She's a great mom. Drew Carey. Drew, 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 Carey, Drew Carey. Her, her Drew, name was Drew, Drew D-R-U. Drew. D-R-U. She was also named Drew Carey. Oh, she was also Drew Carey? Yeah. Like DRU it was short for Drusilla. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Dave Mustaine also did one actual acting role. What was which, it? God, I want to see this. For the show, do you remember the show Black Scorpion? No, It's like a superhero. I bet if I show you this photo, you'd remember because it looks so cheesy. I remember Wizard Magazine freaking out about it because this was back in the mid-90s. Oh, actually, sorry. It was back in 2001. I don't remember that. This is before... Is this a movie or a series? It was a TV movie, and then it became a series. If I'm not mistaken, it was on like TBS or TNT. It was like a Thunder in Paradise level like oh my god, Thunder in Paradise! I yeah, forgot about that. Like Sub Baywatch, but anyway, it was about a woman who was a detective, apparently, in some sort of police force, and she becomes a superhero named the Black Scorpion. She wears a very dominatrix esque outfit with a really ugly looking mask over her face. Very. Vava voom look to her, though. She's definitely got some cleavage going. But I just remember it being, like, this weird superhero thing uh, during a time when we didn't get a lot of that. It Is was it after like... Blade and X-Men, but before Spider-Man, which kind of blew the lid off of everything. Is it like a Witchblade-type series, or...? Yeah, yeah, because Witchblade was on TNT, right? Yeah. So it was probably about that level. I think it was before Witchblade... Oh, actually, it may have been after Witchblade came out. I can't remember when the show came out, but it was definitely after the comic. But it was obviously very cheap, mm-hmm. and not the best piece it only lasted 22 episodes so let's see if that was it was one season so what did he play he played uh on one episode torchy thompson and he was credited as david mustaine so i want to see what torchy was all about yeah i wonder if it's based off of his hair because his hair looks so fire-esque oh yeah was he like a villain or something you know what i'm gonna have to assume he probably was and it probably was another droogie who came from the Drew Carey show yep. over to Black Scorpion yep. and was like, we got to get this guy. He's he's great. This dude deserves more work. Listen to his voice. He has the voice not of an angel, probably closer to a demon. But man, oh man, what a voice. They're like, so we should get him voiceover work, you're saying? We should put him in more
1: animated film? No. we need- Wait till you see his hair. Yeah. His hair does half the work for him. <laughs> his <laughs> yeah. voice does the other half. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's sort of like Jared Padalecki from Supernatural Mm -hmm. playing Sam with the long hair. Yeah. Like his hair, that's half the acting. Right. And his nostrils are the other half. There you Uh, go. (laughs) So this is a great song. I love it. It definitely is yet another, like, it gets into headbanging territory. But this one's cool because it is so different. It is a different tempo, a different style, all of its own. I don't think I've heard another Megadeth song that's anything like this. It's this anomaly in their career. It's one of my favorite Megadeth songs. It's very silly if i'm being honest like Mm -hmm. i laugh at this song but man i mean i still enjoy it i i bang my head to it i groove to it man it's so over the top it's so
1: like i mean starting off from the hey me the real me or whatever it is yeah like like it's just his whole yes it's a psychotic break oh i have a question actually yeah go so he talks about he talks about gripping the axe and he talks about i think the like getting in trouble for the things he hasn't done yet and he talks about sweating bullets
0: right which is the name of the song so I get that it's like a struggle between him and himself, like sort of his his, his duality, his the monster within. Yeah, perhaps. his worst impulses.
1: So is he, because like having a psychotic break is one thing, but like he's got an axe, whereas the previous song I believe was about, you know, he might do something to himself.
0: Is this like he's he wants to go kill somebody? Maybe. He, maybe he wants to kill the lady from the last song. He's like, I'm not over it. Maybe. Maybe. And I, I think the psychotic break thing that I mentioned also plays into the video, which is him is at an asylum mm-hmm. setting, from yeah, what I remember. Well, it
1: says something about him, like, commit me or something like that. Yeah, or, so is he,
0: he is literally having a schizophrenic episode here. Uh, but I do think that it comes out of this other version of himself that he's seeing where it is. His worst impulses, his id uncontrolled. Yeah. And, yeah, he's ready to do something. He's ready to give over to that side of himself. And I believe the song is him uh, having a conversation with that part of himself and really, I guess, not trying to give in. But ultimately maybe being overtaken. Yeah. Man. That's tough stuff, man. Tough stuff. I mean, he's,
1: a, he's, got, a, uh, he's got a history of dealing with things. He's got a rough
0: life. So maybe it is just a constant struggle day to day. Yeah, you just got to wrap him in a straitjacket and that's the only way to take care of it. Take the axe out of his hand, throw him in a padded room, call it a day, let him keep talking to himself. The alternate title of this song was actually, hey, just trying to live my best life yep that was it but that just didn't quite have the ring to it as sweating bullets didn't sound quite as quite menacing enough yeah speaking of menacing that opening riff very menacing very menacing it almost feels like you've woken a sleeping giant oh crap the one in your brain yeah the evil inside and now it's walking to the forefront and it's here to stay baby he's an angry guy and you know what he's angry again which is our next song from the hidden treasures ep we have angry again Cool. Well, we got to one that was a bit shorter. Yeah, that's a, that's a plus. I'm f- clocking it at under four minutes. Yeah,
1: I feel like all the other songs were just super long. So this one was it was kind of nice that it was short because it was also not grabbing me as much as the other songs.
0: Yeah, this one definitely comes from I believe a little bit later in their career where they had decided to take a different approach to songwriting, a little bit more of your standard verse chorus verse chorus yeah. bridge verse chorus and uh i don't think it behooves them honestly yeah. it stood out to me i mean the the repetitiveness i guess stood out to me i was like oh it's back to
1: more standard yeah music making which was weird because it started out with his still like weird speaking voice yes you know and so i was like oh this
0: is going to be another really theatrical one but it, besides him doing that voice it really wasn't no, and I think the the fact of the matter is that's just his singing voice, <laughs> uh, so get used to that. But yeah, this but is... But he, like, like, speaks in the beginning. Like, yeah, this does, is like, just speaky singing. Yeah. But yeah, this one feels more like, if I had to, like, sorry to keep making comparisons to Metallica, but, like, a load or reload, I don't know if that means anything to anybody out there, but this is when Metallica cut their hair short and got a little bit more mm. uh, mainstream. Mm. I feel like this is definitely a stab at being a more mainstream, radio-friendly song. It's not over six minutes long Mm -hmm. it's not quite as hardcore in its message or in its themes yeah um it's just like a a line drive down the middle it sounded sort of like he was just i don't know angry again if you can believe that dave mustaine's (laughs) an angry guy he was angry again he decided to write about it and we got a pretty good song but this is one of the ones, if I'm being honest, when I'm listening to this album, if I were to skip one, I'd skip this one. My other favorite song, besides the very first track, Holy Wars, The Punishment Do, is this next song coming up. Oh, sweet. "A Le uh, from the album Youth in Asia. I get it. You get it now. Okay. Yep. Good, good. Glad you got the reference. Atulamand, let's hit it. Oh, an emotional, sad song. About letting go. Possibly about killing yourself. <laughs> it sounds like he might have just been euthanized. That's true. A tout le monde. A tout mes amis. Je vous aime Je dois partir. Those are the last words he'll ever speak according to the song. And I had to look up what they meant. It's all obviously all French. To everyone, to all my friends, I love you. I have to leave. Those oh. are the last words he'll ever speak. Wow. Yet, Dave Mustaine claims this is not a suicide song the hell is it about then beats the hell out of me well maybe it's not suicide maybe it is just death i mean maybe he's looking back over his life on his deathbed i think the first time i listened to this something about it like had like a like military commander vibe i think it was the maybe the french part of it Mm. made it seem like he was mortally wounded or something he was saying goodbye to his fellow soldiers oh interesting that's that's how i felt the first time i listened to it Uh um this is actually before even like looking up what the french meant but that was sort of the vibe that I got from it. And maybe that's just me making my own meanings to things. But it's a, a whole story there. It, I did. I did. Well, I feel like the song is rather cinematic. I think it's a really cool song. It's, again, in the... More the mode of the last song where it's a little bit tighter, it's a little bit shorter of a song, it's a little bit structured like a normal song, yeah. but I think this one works a lot better than Angry, again, oh, personally. Me too, definitely. This one just like makes me feel things. This is my song when I am running. This is usually the song when I get to that thirty minute like energy dip. This is a song that brings me back to life. Wow, really? Yeah. The song about death brings you back to life. I know I know it's ironic, but just something about the visuals and the feelings this brings up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about the song, but I just I love this song. I love the end. I love how it goes into the guitar and it's yeah. just this really like soft ending. Like sort of a mournful yeah. ending to it. Yeah. Which is Sing it's goodbye. it's a heavy song. And I mean this is coming from a band who deals in a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah. But this
1: was this song was heavy emotionally, but not heavy
0: musically. Yeah, it's definitely a lighter sound yeah. to it. I loved it. I loved it a
1: lot. You earlier mentioned uh Poor Unfortunate Souls, mm-hmm. which is from Little Mermaid. <laughs> right. Um, and this reminded me of another part of Little Mermaid, <laughs> Les Poissons, Les Poissons, oh, 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 oh,
0: where where Sebastian's trying not to get murdered by a yeah, chef. Yeah. It, it it was almost Sebastian's like last night and he would have had to say like remember me right he would he would have sent an mp3 of the song to ariel yeah Yeah. and there's also a french guy who's saying french right stuff that's true that's true all good points uh you really dug deep for that yeah really into your soul (laughs) well i trust that you dug deep for that (laughs) and speaking of trust our next song from the album, Cryptic Writings, is Trust. And this next one is one that I feel like is probably one of the more mainstream efforts, but I think it works. Okay. It's a good one. So I'll be the judge of that. All right. We'll be right back with that. That was great. I've actually always liked that song. Yes. This is the <laughs> first song that I heard from Megadeth where I consciously was like, you know what? I like that song. Yeah. I can't remember what year it came out, but... It was, I think, in the late 90s somewhere, and I was like, oh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Probably because listening to it now, I'm like, this is Megadeth doing their best Metallica Absolutely. impression. Absolutely. I was actually just going to say that. In the very beginning, even from when it starts with the drums and then the bass and the guitar, I was like, oh, very, this is a great Metallica song. Yeah, very inter-Sandman. Then it is one of their more structured songs. It's, again, a little bit more radio-friendly. Yeah. Uh, Which Which is, I'm sure, how I became so familiar with it. Because I have always liked this song. Yeah, it's a good song. And they do go into like a acoustic part in the middle like Mm -hmm. a little guitar breakdown yeah that's sort of like almost flamenco inspired yeah i love it right in the middle sounds great but it also sounds exactly like the middle part of master (laughs) of puppets where uh like an acoustic version of that metallica does that very well very famously and very often and i feel like they definitely cop that style but hey i mean it works it works it works it's a good song it's a damn good song it's it's something you could bang your head to, something you could work out to, something yeah. you could have on in the background. You can kiss to it. You can, you can uh, kiss to it. You can... sure. <laughs> Seven, I didn't kiss to it, sadly. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Why. Cause like... I didn't trust. Yeah, you didn't trust. But man, this guy's got some weird relationships with ladies. This guy, he's just, this is yet another like abusive relationship from both ends, it yeah. seems like. Obviously, a lot of trust issues. Yeah. But it seems like as, as soon as they're always done with each other, as far as the song goes, they're just right back into it. It reminds me of the song from by The Offspring, uh, Self-Esteem, where it's, uh, there's a verse about him. Uh, there's a girl that cheats on him all the time, mm-hmm. and, but it's hard to turn her down when she shows up to his door you know, ready yeah. to get it on. Yeah. And reminded me of that yeah. because he says his body is betrayed by lust. Mm-hmm. And very reminiscent of that same song. Hey, it's like, "Hey man, when she comes up, she's ready to go. You're not gonna say no to that. Man, you're you gonna make me come. You make me complete.
1: You make me completely
0: miserable." Oh, another just classic <laughs> by Filter. Great video though, with Pamela Anderson being gigantic like the 50-foot woman. Hey man. It's of the time, you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. And this might have been may have been around the same time. We don't know. Well, and I think that speaks
1: to a lot of people, you know? Like there's especially when you're young, like that sort of on-again, off-again relationship. Oh, I mean, for sure.
0: Ross and Rachel, Dylan and Brenda. Absolutely. Those are those are dated references, but, but it holds up. They're of the time, and yeah, yeah those are eternal. Yeah. That that issue of not being able to trust somebody because they say one thing and they mean another, yeah. that's never going to go away. Oh, man, that's but, eternal. And that, universal. Yeah. Uh, like Universal Soldier, which they yeah. did a song for. Yes. Your, universal Soldier, The Return. It's not on this album. It's called Crush em. And it was in Universal Soldier The Return. You're a big Jean-Claude Van Damme fan, so you've probably seen that. Do you remember well, that? that had Michael J. White and Bill Goldberg in it, right? I was just trying to rack my brain because I'm a huge fan of Universal Soldier, the
1: original movie. Right. With Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren and Rolf Moeller and, you know, the greats. Yes. Um, the greatest of all time. But the sequels to Universal Soldier, I don't remember. I remember the most recent one the most because there was a lot
0: more Van Damme in it. But I feel like the other ones didn't have him as much, so I didn't care as much. And you're talking about the No new offense to uh the band. Right. You're talking about the new one with uh Scott Adkins. Yeah. yeah? The Scott Adkins diet. Yeah. Where you, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. you only eat Universal Soldier. Right, right, right. No carbs. The thing I remember about that one is A, not nearly enough Van Dam. Oh, okay. And he's completely bald and half of the, he's very like Marlon Brando from yeah. uh, Apocalypse, Apocalypse now. now. Yeah. Very much Going yeah. for that, which is cool because I feel like Jean Claude Van Damme, the later he gets in life, I feel like he really got serious about acting. Yeah. And I think he was really serious for that Universal Soldier movie. Absolutely. And I know, like, very Probably little. Probably too serious for that movie. <laughs> Maybe. And I know just, like, too little about the mythos behind. The Universal Soldier. I know you could probably wrap it up for me real quick, but I didn't really know what was going on. It was a cool movie. Okay. Everything looks cool. Scott Adkins is great. He's very athletic and can do the kicks. He's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's he's good. And he's a charismatic guy. He's like a martial arts Ben Affleck. I feel like he looks like Ben Affleck and Ryan Reynolds in a blender. Oh, yeah. Let's put them in a blender and see if you're right. Oh, man. I bet it would not come out looking like Scott Adkins, but he fights a totally naked dude that was something I'd never seen in a movie before. The dude's <laughs> dick is just flopping around while nice. he's fight while he's karate fighting the guy, and I'm pretty sure he like throws a knife into the middle of the guy's chest. However, unlike his uh, predecessor Jean Claude Van Damme, he did not roundhouse kick the knife deeper into his chest ah. as Jean Claude did in Expendables two to which, Luke Hemsworth, which also had Scott Atkins in it. Oh, it did. Yeah, he I was didn't even realize. Man. Oh, snap. Yeah. And I said Luke Hemsworth, I meant Liam Hemsworth. Oh yeah, I knew who you meant. The second best one, not the third best one. He says that Van Damme actually kicks too hard on that, which from Van Damme's reputation, I believe 100%. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> you don't you don't go into a movie with Van Damme where you're getting roundhouse kicked and expect it not to hurt. Yeah. Like, that's just part and parcel with the Van Damme experience, I think. Did the guy who Scott Atkins was fighting, uh, who he did not roundhouse kick the knife into his chest, mm-hmm. did that naked man do the splits like Van Damme does? Because yep. naked splits... That's something we've yet to see even from Van Damme himself. That is. And I feel like one day, maybe in like a Totino's commercial or Tostita's (laughs) commercial, whatever he's doing these days, Uh maybe he'll do that. Like have a butt naked. I don't know that we'll see a butt naked splits from Van Damme on a commercial. Hmm. Maybe if the FCC lifts some of the regulations, we will because i bet he'd do it i mean hey. the guy's done a million in the moonlight shots the shot in time cop mm-hmm. where it's sort of a butt in the moonlight he still has like the tightest shorts you've yeah. ever seen in your life yeah. and he does the split in the kitchen yeah that's as close as we've ever gotten to a completely naked because you can see every sinew of muscle mm. on his sweet sweet buttocks as mm. he does that split they just are covered up mm. with the tightest material in existence apparently but anyway keep talking <laughs> perfection yeah the man was perfection you could say that well, and also that
1: those splits were completely earned he had to avoid the electricity on the floor right i
0: remember what, what better way than by doing the splits the splits on uh on a counter, a counter. <laughs> yeah on a counter uh pretty awesome moment pretty awesome movie yeah haven't seen yeah. in a while and uh universal soldier of the return was pretty good but uh it included the song crush em by megadeth which was also used as bill goldberg's aka goldberg's entrance music in world championship wrestling for a time and it was nowhere near as good as his normal entrance music which it must be a copyright free music the his normal theme song Uh, because i've heard it in other things like it's i know it's at the universal studios tour uh, that plays in the universal theme as you're driving up to the war of the world set and i'm like oh snap is goldberg coming out what's happening world championship wrestling professional wrestler bill goldberg doesn't happen though it's just the cast of the no, Goldbergs. You just you just it's the cast of the Goldbergs. It's Jeff Garland, I think. <laughs> and uh that lady from Reno 911, for sure. And Steve Gutenberg shows up and Patton Oswalt has something to do with that show. Yep. I don't yep. know. Some, they had I think Freddy most on an ep- what we said was true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had Freddy on an episode. I saw that at the gym. Freddy, Freddy, Freddy like Freddie Krueger. Sorry. Freddy Krueger? Not mind? not Mercury. Freddy Krueger shows up. Um, yeah, Robert England <laughs> shows up. Oh. You mean the king of horror movies? Oh, you could call him that. But you better watch out around Megadeth, because they want to kill the king. Because that's our next song from Capital Punishment, the Megadeth years. Kill the king! (music) They don't kill that king. I think think the king is dead. Long live the king, though. Long live the king. Long live the king. Who's, Who's the king? I think Dave Mustaine is, in his own mind. He does say, I'm the king. He says, say, I am the king, several times. Uh, this one's another sort of middle-of-the-road one, mm-hmm. if we're being honest. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. This song, I think, is saved by the middle section, where they just go into a, kind of a lengthy guitar solo. Mm-hmm. That was a cool part. It changed tempo a little bit, kind of back to more of the regular Megadeth roots, yeah. where their time changes. Went to a really cool, really sinister feel to it. The rest of it is a standard line drive down the middle. Thrasher, yeah. and there's nothing wrong fun. with that. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun song, you, and it's, it's easy to it's easy
1: to sing along to. You get into the rhythm of killing kill the, kill <laughs> the king.
0: It's the funnest song about what is it? Regicide. Yeah, man. A term I learned from the game Age of Empires
1: because
0: huh. it was the mode where you had to kill the king. The king is dead. Long live the king. Huh. Uh, that was the. Did you ever play Age of Empires? No, nope. I'm not like, into those kind of games. Oh, really? Not a yeah. uh, real time strategy? No, nope. you're missing out, man. I know you're more of a story-based guy. I'm more of a build things and dress up your characters kind of guy. So I will get like a professional wrestling video game just so I can create characters all day every day and then i play like a match and then i change their outfit for like two hours and then i play one match that's the best it's like dolls you get to dress up dolls yeah i never got to as a kid i probably did actually me and my best friend once i think i've told this story before i think i did in the batman and robin episode actually where we had a bunch of stuffed animals that we created batman and robin costumes for oh yeah made a a remake of the first scene from batman and robin called return returns but that was a sequel to return Right. where we made a whole movie completely apropos of nothing okay. of these animals, stuffed animal characters on a murder mystery. Uh, the Cookie Monster, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was the killer. Oh. Uh, but we definitely Spoiler. made... Yeah, sorry everybody. I know I know you're all going to go dig for return somewhere out there. But yeah, the Cookie Monster killed somebody. I believe he killed Woody from Toy Story. Oh, jeez. Uh Woody who was slated to later come back as Spawn for return returns, but we never got that far into filming. Anyway, it was a sort of tale and um production was plagued. Yeah, yeah a lot of problems, a lot of personality conflicts between the different stuffed animals. And when I say this and remember the fact that I was like I don't know, sixteen at the time. I'm pretty embarrassed. Me and my friends were videotaping us playing with toys, basically, at that age. But but here's the thing, man. We didn't have sets. We didn't have a huge group of friends that were into filmmaking yet. Yep. That would come later. We certainly didn't have any women or girls in our group of friends. So Really? We, they
1: weren't they weren't into you guys dressing dolls up and Playing with stuffed animals. No, man.
0: No, man. There was one girl who visited from Ohio one time, and I'd never met her before, and there had never been, like, a girl in my house before, and what did I show her? One of these stupid videos of stuffed animals or toys of us playing, and I feel like she found it mildly charming, but I think that that wore off pretty darn quick with me and my friend's antics. And uh, When you were like, oh, you like that one? Here's the sequel. (laughs) Have you seen Batman and Robin yet, girl? I was head over heels for her, and she did not return the feelings. Wow. So you were not the king, or maybe you were the
1: king, and the king is dead. But you know what? Long live the king. Long live the king. Long You're past that
0: now, buddy. Your know, life well, turned out pretty okay. It It did. Indeed. But when a king dies, and you've got to have the funeral rites, Uh-huh you might commission something you might commission a symphony okay perhaps the symphony of destruction which is our next song from countdown to extinction symphony of destruction y'all yeah that'll send a chill down your spine Ugh. give you some feelings yeah yeah baby you uh, probably knew that one right uh, I didn't really recognize that one. Oh, really? Maybe I've heard it. But I, I thought didn't. Symphony of Destruction was one of their better-known songs. Maybe I'm mistaken. Obviously, you're not a big... I'm a special case. Uh, are you? Uh, did you ever play the game Guitar Hero? Uh, 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 nah. Not into it? Nah. Well, it was one of the songs featured in the very first Guitar Hero game, so I've played that song uh, like a thousand times, and I think that will cement its place in my heart forever. Cool. I mean, it's a cool song anyway. Yeah, It's a cool song. I knew it before Guitar Hero. I enjoyed it before Guitar Hero, but that really just made it special. It was a time in my life. I had just moved out to California. Mm-hmm. I was in an apartment in Van Nuys, sharing with three other dudes. Yeah, And uh, one of the guys took up residence in the living room, the only place with the air conditioner, Ugh. and never left. And uh, so I decided to hide out in my room and play Guitar Hero all day, every day. With the windows open, and the hot Van Nuys heat. Oh yeah, it was very rough, very hot, and but uh, you played to that audience of dressed-up stuffed animals, and
1: they just went crazy. They for
0: w- it. they loved it. Yeah. They yeah. ate yeah. it up. I felt like a real rock star in front of Timmy and Teddy <laughs> and Freddie uh uh-huh. and other and Freddy Krueger uh no no not Freddy Krueger oh. my this was my uh my bear Freddy that I got the day I was born oh wow! he got turned sweet. into a character yeah, yeah I've sweet. still got him he's in my closet right now just hanging out in fact I'm gonna show you after this he I believe still has the shirt and pants that we made him back in the day which is again embarrassing to admit <laughs> that he still has them but there you have it that's me folks that's my life on a silver platter for you
1: well I accept you
0: you are a mortal man and I will watch you become a god. (laughs) Yep. Uh, You take a mortal man, put him in control. This is another song that me and my cousin uh, reference quite often. I don't know why, but you take a mortal man is funny to me, so we definitely make that reference quite a bit. Speaking of his voice, Mm -hmm. uh, he does this a lot, but in this song,
1: it really stood out to me as well. Like His sort of growl roar that he does, Mm -hmm.
0: uh, he does
1: it when he's like, acting like instead of just oh yeah yeah instead of
0: yeah well that's the that's the thing i love about heavy metal music is there is stuff like that that is just these embellishments that you add to specifically the vocal performance that are completely needless just to make it sound more tough and hardcore yeah and it does it works but it's just like why why are you doing that and in fact it makes it harder to understand the lyrics most of the time yeah and so you're only really hurting your case or you know why the message of your song you know why because fuck everybody yeah fuck everybody man we're just gonna fucking go out and get drunk and get high and we're gonna punch shit and we're gonna break shit because we're mad and we're young
1: yeah this this song isn't even for you this song is for me man
0: me only pretty much for us because especially at the time we're young men Mm -hmm. i feel like that is definitely the target demographic yeah I'm sure there are some female Droogies out there. Of course. But well, they uh, not be, you know. They're probably rare. You know, I think that they had their finger on the pulse. No, oh, I'm sorry. They had their finger on the pulse. <laughs> on the pulse. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, they sure did. And, like, Symphony of Destruction, what a cool track name. That just sounds badass. Yeah, symphony man. of Destruction. Yeah. You got you got a symphony playing at the beginning of it, just a little snippet there. And then, you know what? Screw that. We're playing guitar. We're playing the drums. It's heavy-ass metal, bruh. The beginning of the symphony reminded me of, like, sitting there and watching, like, a movie. You know how they have the beginning thing, and they're like, turn your phones off. And, you know, right, you right, right, right. Which I'm sure is what they were going for. Did you turn your phone off? N- no, because it had the lyrics on it. Oh okay. Well, uh, didn't do the trick then. So who's the mortal man? Who is the mortal man? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, the message of this thing is putting, you know, any like leadership role, okay. like probably at the time Bill Clinton or okay. perhaps George Bush, okay. but probably Bill Clinton. You put him in control and you try to check his pulse. Yeah. Before his head explodes? Yeah. Is that the are those the lyrics? Yeah, acting like a robot, its metal brain corrodes, try to take its pulse before the head explodes. These are all really just lyrics condemning the man. Yeah, man. Whoever the man happens to be at a moment, even if the man is a woe man, yeah. it's condemning the man.
1: Yeah. He would I mean he would have sang the same song about Hillary, man.
0: Yeah, exactly. He would That's just, the thing.
1: It's about the man. 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 Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I thought that's what it was. Part of me was like, oh,
0: well, sometimes he does go into like religious stuff. Like, is this about that or is this about? Like, I think the I, I could honestly, like I said, I think it's a leader, not necessarily a political leader. Could be a religious leader, but it's saying just like the Pied Piper led rats through the streets, we dance like marionettes, swaying to the symphony of destruction. I think that's just saying that this is condemning all followers. Gotcha. All the all sheep, sheep out there. Yeah, yeah man. The sheeple. I'm not talking about Black Sheep because he'd probably be into that, and I guarantee you they have a song named Black Sheep somewhere in their discography.
1: The movie with um, with Chris David Farley Spade. and David Spade. Yeah.
0: Director David Spade. Director of, David Spade of Twilight Saga Eclipse. 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 Mm-hmm. Only Eclipse. Only Eclipse, and he brought back the uh, the corpse of Chris Farley. Let's get sad again, folks. Let's get sad. He really needed to figure out the mechanics. Oh, how that would work boy howdy and actually this next song is a song that i realize is not on the traditional release of the cd but it's definitely in some versions so we're including it it's called mechanics with an x baby it's from killing is my business and business is good this is a song that predates megadeth existing because he wrote this song when he was with metallica this is the song that i referenced earlier that they took and copied And in case you don't know The Four Horsemen, I'm going to play that for you, a snippet of it. I'm not going to play all seven minutes of it. But anyway. Thank you. What we have now is mechanics. (laughs) So who knows what he was saying. During any of that song? I don't think he knew what he was saying. I think he completely forgot the words while they were recording. And he was like... He just nodded to them like, just keep going. So He just did like the universal sign for keep rolling, keep yeah, rolling. Yeah. Spinning his finger around. Uh, I love this song mostly because it's insane. And because I also love the Metallica song, The Four Horsemen, which Mm -hmm. is a much more refined version of this where you can at least kind of understand what James Hetfield is saying. Mm -hmm. It's got more clear lyrics. The lyrics are better. The lyrics on this are dumb. It's like making... It's obviously called mechanics, but it's making, like, basically a sex reference. Innuendos. Yes. Innuendos. uh, Euphemisms for sex. Using uh, Fixing a car as a euphemism for sex. And I feel like... Metallica has certainly had those types of songs, but I feel like they were a little bit more highbrow than that. You so- don't think these lyrics are highbrow? Made my drive shaft crank, made my pistons bulge made my ball bearing melt from the heat. <laughs> Those are all really, really highbrow. And uh, in no way euphemistic. Uh, no, in, and, and in no way, that like is if you could even understand what he boy. was saying.
1: You can't understand anything that he's saying. There's like a couple times when he gets to the end of the line where he remembers what the lyrics are. Oh, right.
0: And he'll be like,
1: luckily for you and then
0: go on to the next one yeah um now this was from their first album so it was obviously a little bit more rough around the edges in terms of the recording i feel like starting with their second one they cleaned up their approach but i do love this song so yes i looked at it four horsemen is like seven minutes and 15 seconds long this one on the other hand is like three minutes and 44 seconds long and we basically get the same song but it's so fast so compressed And just so – this song is wild, Mm -hmm. and I love that about it. The first time I listened to it, I was like, wait – because I think it came on Pandora or something. Mm. And I just saw so I wasn't looking at what the title was. And I heard a really fast version of Four Horsemen. I was like, oh, cool. It must be like a live version. And then Dave Mustaine's singing. It's the exact same melody, the exact same guitar lick, just way faster and way more nonsense. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, what am I listening to here? And since then, I looked into it and realized that obviously he wrote this for Metallica. Asked them not to use it, so they said, sure, we'll just change it slightly. We'll slow it down a bit so they could legally get it through and not get sued by Dave Mustaine. But, man, this is just like the crazy version. Yeah, it's raw. It's uh, unfiltered. So unfiltered that I think he just made most lyrics up as he was going along. (laughs) He couldn't even remember. He couldn't have sued him because he couldn't even remember what the lyrics were in the first (laughs) place. And then he was like, I just need to make sure I don't say the lyrics that they ended up using. Yeah, he just didn't want to talk about, you know, the four horsemen riding or anything. Um, I wish the name of this album, though, instead of Killing is My Business and Business is Good, that it was, I'm in the business of killing Nazis and business is booming." What's that from? Is that *Inglorious Bastards*? Oh, *Inglorious Bastards*. <laughs> I would have, I would have been into that.
1: Should have got a time machine.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, hey, if uh, Quentin Tarantino would like to, or uh, sorry, not Quentin Tarantino, if Dave Mustaine would like to borrow our time machine after Drew Dru Drusilla Carey is done using it. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, when she's it doesn't really matter when she's done because it's true. a time machine. It's like Bill and Ted's bogus journey where they said, we got to make sure to set up all this stuff to fe- <laughs> to defeat the bad guy. We got to put the key, the cage, and all that stuff. We got to make sure to set that up afterwards. And uh, obviously, th- that's sort of the situation we're in now. Yeah. Time yeah. is relative, bro. Yeah, bro. Time is a flat circle. Uh, and speaking of time machines, we could get on Doc Brown's time train for the train of consequences from euthanasia. And that's our next song, baby. Well, those are some wicked guitar licks. Oh, indeed. Sounds like uh, our friend Dave Mustaine either himself was a gambling man or he knew himself a gambling man. Mm. And the gambling man got himself into a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Hence the train of consequences coming right at him. He's tied to the tracks. He hawked his brains. Headed west. Yep. yep. I like how he repeated that.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was really proud of that <laughs> line, like, apparently. Did you hear me, guys? I hocked my brains.
0: Is this thing on? I'll be here all week, folks. Tip your waitresses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is from Euthanasia, which mm-hmm. I think this was Is that a, spelled Y-O-U-T-H? Uh, why, yes, it is. <laughs> um, Which was, I think, a turning point for them where they got a little bit more, like I said, a little bit more mainstream, mm-hmm. a little bit more simple with their songs. This was definitely a more simple one. Yeah. Back to that typical song structure, but it did have some pretty cool guitar licks. Yeah, that was my favorite part of it. Yeah, it was it was a fun. I mean, look, no matter what, I think if even if a, a if there's a bad Megadeth song, you're going to get some sweet guitar. I mean, Absolutely. like as instrumentalists, Megadeth is nearly unmatched. Mm-hmm. They're a tight band. Dave Mustaine is a great player. I enjoyed looking at his story uh when he actually was auditioning to be part of Metallica. James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich called him in. They formed the band. They were looking for guitar players, and he was apparently so good, it was just his warm-up to play with them They got him the gig. Wow, and that's, that's awesome. And that, sure, they were all young. It's before Metallica became as huge as they are, but still, they were that impressed with Dave Mustaine from just noodling on his guitar for a few minutes to warm his fingers up. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a talented, talented dude, They were like, definitely hey. behind the guitar. They were like, hey, um, just take care of that left hand and you'll be all right. Oh, too soon, but hey, he recovered, man. Yeah, man. He, he recovered. Like, he it's- remembered that on his bed. He was like, ah. Oh. I I I should (laughs) have listened to James and Lars. I I just assumed that the way he sings is how he speaks. That's definitely his normal speech. By the way, my throat is burning right now from continuously doing this impression. Mm -hmm. How do you think he feels after an entire concert of singing like that? Pretty good, because he's all hopped up on drugs and alcohol. (laughs) That's true. He doesn't feel anything. So that's just that. Is that a real saying, train of consequences? Like, is that a... No, I think that's his own turn of phrase, perhaps. Uh I was just curious. I hadn't heard it before. Yeah, I don't think I've heard it before either, but, I mean, it makes sense. And if you yeah. if you gamble and you lose, you got to face that train of consequences. Yeah. Trains are coming. Unless you move out west and you hawk your brains. You yeah. hawk your brains, by the way. You know what? If you hawk your brains, I said. If you hawk your brains, I said. I don't know if you heard that he hawked his brains. Did he hawk? He hawked them, right? Hawked he those hawked those brains.
1: his brains. You know what the worst part of hawking your brains is? What? Is being
0: afraid that you're going to... Wake Up Dead. That's our next song from Peace sells, but who's buying Wake Up Dead? I have a theory about this song, Wake Up Dead. Okay. I think that Dave Mustaine, based on these lyrics, was running around on his woman. Mm -hmm. He claims that he was out late with the boys, (laughs) be it playing, drinking, whatever. Uh But really, he was out with another lady. And he wanted to unburden his soul with his wife or whoever he was shacking up with at the time. So he wrote this song mm. about his infidelities. Yeah, But then he got skittish about it and decided to bury the message of his infidelity and in him literally saying the name of the woman that he was sleeping with on the side and buried it. In about four minutes of guitar solos. So that when he, he was like, here, babe, I'm going to play you this song, okay? It's going to be all my feelings laid out. And she just got like bored because it's just nothing but guitars. He, he, so he, his whole plan was to well, it, bore her before he actually... Before he, and then also when he does say the name Diana, which is the name in uh-huh. the thing, there's so many effects on the name yeah. that you can't even understand it anyway. Well, even that whole buildup. Like, so there's the first half of this story... Where he sneaks in
1: and he's uh, like, oh, if I wake her up, I'll wake up dead. I told her that I was out drinking with the boys. It's 4 a.m. That whole setup of the story. And yeah, there's another like 20 minutes of a guitar. (laughs) And then at the very end, he finishes his story with the whole like. um, I wonder, will she find out? But it's like, I wonder what you find out. Like the rest of it is completely intelligible. Yeah. So
0: as he's confessing. If she's still listening to this song, she's just like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's saying. <laughs> and obviously, this lady he was with, I mean, we've obviously covered his other troubles with her. Mm-hmm. This is a toxic relationship. He is yeah. scared yeah. of this person.
1: I have actually a competing theory
0: for oh, this. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. I would love to hear it. I think this is, he wrote this song and did this
1: song during one of the times when they were on the outs, um. one of the times when they were not together. And so he's like, yeah, I'm gonna unburden myself. Also, I'm gonna rub her nose in it because Ooh. he says, "Does she know about the other, other woman?" Also,
0: question: Is this the other
1: other woman? Oh, are there snap. more than one? Oh man, Dave other women
0: playing around. And he actually says, "There's a whole line by itself that's just her name." Yeah, Diana. Like, does 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 she know about the other? But woman, he says it sort of whoever like whoever it was. He says he says it like. Bleh. Yeah. That's how it comes out in the song. So you, well, it just sounds like he's vomiting. I think he's still really enjoying just that word. Like he's just remembering he's relishing the times they it. were together. And wow. He's like, Diana. For his like, second side piece. Yeah. And it just seconds, got to him. Yeah. Maybe she was in the booth with him. Maybe. Doing a little something I little So I nasty. think he was throwing this in her face. Of like, oh, I wonder if she ever found out about the other woman. Diana, your best friend. Oh, man. I would love to know the sort of tale behind this song like i always thought it was a cool song it's got a lot of guitar stuff really neat guitar stuff a lot of time changes this is still in the early phases of their career mm-hmm. it's a cool song to just bang your head to yeah but i want to know the story behind it when i was collecting all the lyrics for this i was like geez, usually they're very long yes. songs lyrically this has 15 line, 15 short lines of lyrics yeah and it's like a four and a half minute song. So That's what's, it's so misleading because I saw the lyrics and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a super short song." No, but it was not. Yeah, like I said, I think he. I, I stand by my theory that he was scared mm-hmm. of what his woman was going to think about him telling her that Diana was the lady behind her, her best friend. Yeah, as we've discovered, since yeah. sitting here, yeah. her best friend we Diana. Did our research. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they went to like Cabo together. They've yeah. done everything together. They met back in college. They were roomies back in the dorms. And he was always like, "No, there's nothing
1: going on." Like, Diana I mean, probably
0: introduced her to Dave Mustaine. Yeah, at a, behind yeah. the scenes at a concert. Yeah. Maybe Diana worked at the concert, and she's like, "Oh yeah, come up for the night." She introduced Dave. They had this love affair, and then what do you know? Diana just turned on her best friend with Dave Mustaine, which I don't know. Something about him. I I can't imagine him being the kind of like Motley Crue esque guy getting a lot of women mm. to sleep with him even though he, he is a idea. rock star he's just a scary looking guy like i would not want to cross him in an alleyway no he's just a frightening looking individual hey. not just the red hair not just that merida from brave haircut yeah but he's just if you look at his face it's almost like carrot top-esque where his face looks a little bit like it's made of plastic or something Yikes. like he looks artificial in a way he's just a, a creepy looking dude so anyway i'm just saying that Maybe he doesn't get a lot of women, which is why he was, maybe he was just impressed with himself that he had three women. He had his woman, yeah. his other woman, and then his other, other lover, but Diana. Unfortunately, now I can't get the image of Carrot Top out of my head for the mm-hmm. rest of the song. Imagine Carrot Top, but less swole oh, and with okay. more hair. Uh, more. But naked, doing splits in his kitchen. Oh, just boy. think about that. Think about that Carrot Top butt, just Yikes. white as the moon itself, Yeah, just staring at you. Think about that, and, and listeners, please think about that as we listen to our next song. And by the way, I hope you're listening with us, because this has just been such a joy, and I mean that, honestly. I, I love this <laughs> album. But you know what? If Dave Mustaine, he seems like a, an angry guy, so if he found out that Diana was hooking up with another guy, he might hang her, <laughs> which leads us to our next song, "Hanger 18, from Rust in Peace. Um, So I have a question.
1: Yeah. Uh, When I was first listening to the lyrics of this, it reminded me a lot of a Tenacious D song, actually. Oh, really? Um, Because Hangar 18 is actually a hangar that's purported to have UFO intelligence inside of it. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Was he into that? Do you know? Well, that was the cover that I described to you earlier of Rust In Peace. It's all the hangar. It's the uh, all the, the old white men behind him. Mm-hmm. It's got a tube with an alien in it. Uh, so I'm sure Dave Mustaine's a weird dude. He's got a lot of theories about things. So he's eh. probably into conspiracy theories about aliens. Oh, cool. Based on this song, I would say, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was just in like an experiment in something or if it was
1: just... I don't know. It was popular at the time. So what Tenacious D song?
0: That. Oh, just because
1: he was not because there's a Tenacious D song like this, simply because Tenacious D goes off on these riffs of like weird things like chasing Bigfoot and uh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So as he was describing going into the hangar mm-hmm. and the alien technology
0: and whatnot's. I chuckled because it reminded me of Tenacious D. I see, I see. I thought you meant I thought you were referring to a specific song. Uh, no, like I said, I think he has a lot of feelings on a lot of things, and also I do think that sometimes people writing metal songs are probably like, man, what's just something fucked up I can write about? Mm-hmm. Like I've, I'm out of subjects. There's only one. So many ways to say that you're angry. So what's another thing to be like weirded out about? And aliens is up there. He gets a pretty good zinger in there with the uh, the military intelligence, two words combined that can't make sense. Yes, I always like that line. Zing. Zinger. Uh, this is another song that appeared on a Guitar Hero game. This was in Guitar Hero 2, mm. and it's obviously quite a bit of a song. I think at the point where the lyrics are over, we still had two minutes and 45 seconds left. So you could fit most pop songs into their solo section so needless to say it was a tough song to get through on guitar hero 2 but this was the song that actually made me realize oh megadeth is pretty good like Mm -hmm. i want to look into more megadeth stuff because of the song so i believe i went and bought the album rest in peace quite liked it bought the greatest hits and we were off to the races and now spotify exists so with that Spotify money, right. you know, you can just listen to whatever you want. Right, right. And uh which is wonderful, which is how I listened to half of their albums just in the day or two before uh, we recorded. Cool song, headbanger. Yeah. I mean, it's it's another one I like I said we're going back to the whole it's just a banger, but by god it is. That's when most of it is riffs, like a yeah. uh, riff of palooza. What else can you call it? This is a good one to mosh to probably. Yeah. A for good sure. one to probably not kiss to this one. Well, if you want to kiss in the mosh pit, you're bound to lose some teeth. Yeah, if you do that that's a good time. That's metal, bro. Yeah, that's man. metal. Do you think he's ever been to Hangar 18? I don't know. Is it actually in Area 51? No, it's in uh, Wright's Patterson Air Force Base or oh. that field area. Where's that? I
1: think it's in Ohio. Oh, uh, it's where they actually it's actually where the Wright brothers first did their flight.
0: Oh, wow. I'm learning yeah. so much. Uh, so he's probably been, if you can go. I, I, I assume that Hangar 18 was, you know, Hangar 18 of Area 51. I didn't yeah, know totally. that it was an actual place. So that's interesting to me that he's uh, taken some real stuff there and working it into his, his song. But, you know, if he does believe in aliens and life on other planets and conspiracy theories, he probably has some existential dread. Mm. Which leads us to our next song, Dread and the Fugitive Mind from The World Needs a Hero. If this were
1: the age of CDs, I would have thought that there was something wrong with my CD and it was skipping at the end there.
0: A lot of false endings. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky song in that way. <laughs> Cuz again, we finished with the lyrics of the song 2 plus minutes before the end of the song, so mm-hmm. it's kind of I think we're sitting here and we're marking time by playing these songs and we're getting through it. So Maybe somebody listening to it in their car or on a workout wouldn't quite think about it so much. But me, when I'm finished reading the lyrics, and I'm like, oh, shit, we got two more minutes left. <laughs> uh, and I enjoy all of it. I enjoy all the guitar playing. The drumming in this one is particularly good. Uh, the part that Sebastian's referring to is after the lyrics are done, they get into uh, more of a another headbanging moment. Mm-hmm. But it's like a double bass section where it's very reminiscent of Metallica's 1 with the double bass playing. Okay. It's a more a beat version of it. It's more fun because, one, is definitely like a dirge. But it's a cool segment. It's fun. You could bang your head to it. You could probably kiss to it. Oh, yeah. You could definitely make out to this song. It'd be a weird experience to make out. But um, I guess, you know, something for everybody, right? Yeah, man. This song is just about... Uh, I guess Dave Mustaine is getting away with stuff. He's feeling guilty. He is feeling awful guilty and, and wants to be punished. Yeah. <laughs> he's ready He's ready for it. I think this goes back to that other song, Wake Up Dead, where he wanted to unburden his soul to his woman. Yeah. This is just his him unburdening his soul to the world at large of all the shit he's done, which at this point in time probably is a lot. He's done a lot of drugs, probably said a lot of nasty things to people probably put some people out of work i know he fired a lot of people from the band for weird reasons so maybe this is his way of uh sort of his mea culpa after all of that do you think this is a very personal song like that he is talking about
1: himself or is he talking about a larger social disease of like greed and whatnot
0: probably a larger social disease just because i don't think i maybe i'm projecting but i think that Dave Mustaine is a legit megalomaniac and I think that he probably doesn't see any sort of harm in what he does himself yeah. or any problems of his own behavior. So it probably is talking about a larger social
1: disease. Do you think the part where he talks about there being no judgment, if I'm right, I lose nothing. If, if you're, you're right, I lose it all. Do you
0: think that has to do with like a spiritual judgment or just with like the police coming after whoever? Like, what I think do you it think could that judgment could serve is? as both. As both, I think. For him, for anybody coming at him, uh, anybody in his life, I mm. think.
1: Those are my only questions. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no problem. But I think I, it is a
0: song that maybe could represent either. Mm-hmm. could be a very personal song. It could be a wide range of things. Uh, there's a lyric in this
1: one that I really like uh, legitimately, which is, if you shake my hand, better count your fingers. Oh, yeah,
0: I love that line. Yeah. It's a cool song. I, I enjoy the song a lot. But apparently he's getting away with a lot of misdeeds mm-hmm. in his life. Mm-hmm. If he's evading the law, yeah. evading our judgment yeah he's probably getting by by the skin of his teeth which brings us to our next song skin oh my teeth from countdown to extinction
1: wow well that one ended with the lyrics that time possibly first time what what a novel idea you know what i really liked about that one what's that this one had
0: some guitar
1: solos in it
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a and a wild diversion from their normal yeah. mode. They played a lot of guitar in it, but it was like a short solo. It was true. It, was it wasn't a long outro that lasted two and a half minutes. True. So it was a tight song. Tight. As the song was beginning, it's talking about him uh, wrapped around a tree, body broken in a wreck, slit uh, wrists, slit wrists. I believe he said like a. a, a a hit and run at a crosswalk. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, man, this should have come before the last song about him getting away with stuff and not getting punished for it. Because I feel like this is actually like chronicling some of his misdeeds, but mostly it's a song I believe about him fucking around and getting himself killed yeah. one way or another.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause there's, it's like all these ways that people can die or, or, I mean it starts
0: with self-inflicted stuff it looks like. Yeah. And then like slitting his wrist, slitting his wrist, but then yeah it gets to the hit and run and crashing into a tree. He also talks about overdosing on pain pills yeah. when it's A wet-brained neighbor cranes his head in to see the white lights coming at him. What's wet-brained? That's never a term I've heard. I actually think I've heard that term, but I don't remember what it means. If it means like he's slow, I can't remember what it means. I mean, obviously, it probably means that he's a dummy, but I'm just wondering where that phrase comes from because I've never heard it before. I have actually heard that phrase. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, the white lights of a train bearing down on him, no escaping.
1: But it's just like, I mean, clearly, it's all about dying. (laughs) The line that I'd like out of this one is, I need a ride to the morgue. That's what 911 is for. <laughs>
0: so tack my toe and don't forget, oh, to close the drawer. Ooh, to close the door. Yeah, I think, again, more Dave Mustaine unburdening um, his soul. Or I don't know, though, if it I is I don't know that if this is him. I don't like... know if this is a personal. I know he's been through a lot of stuff at this point. In yeah. her career. Like, are these all his own sort of suicide attempts
1: or his own brushes with death? Uh, there was a point when I was like, wait, is he like the Grim Reaper? Like, what's happening here? Yeah. But th- at the end, when he actually says, like, I close the drawer when I'm in the morgue. Yeah. Like, clearly that's about him, you know, aspirationally dying. Right. So, I mean, it's pretty, like most metal songs, pretty messed up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, pretty. That's that's metal, baby. Yeah, man. That, I was just trying to decipher what was happening like I got that
0: it was bad but I was trying to decipher what's the point of view in this story it's it's bad things that are happening are bad but yeah I I, the point of view is what was confusing to me but like you said it did start out a little bit more broad and then got very personal by the end so maybe the world will never know maybe we should ask Dave Mustaine have him on the show you know if you're listening Dave sorry about all the me doing impression of your voice I, I do legitimately think it's a neat voice. I think he's really going to appreciate that, because probably at this point, he's hanging on by the skin. Oh, my teeth! Is that him, his teeth getting hurt in the middle of that? Yeah. Oh, my teeth! Oh, my teeth! Like, oh, my sciatica. Yeah. And I didn't even know teeth had skin. It's like that sticky film when you haven't brushed them for a long time. Or like when you eat spinach. Yeah definitely like you too much spinach and you get that weird film in your mouth yeah folks he's just barely hanging on eat your spinach well i mean it sounds like he's dealing with a lot of stuff that's you know possibly
1: the consequences or the train of consequences even or the fallout from his interactions with both diana the other woman Mm -hmm. and his main squeeze
0: who i'm gonna name karen karen and for all we know karen is a bit of a she-wolf that's right from the album cryptic writings we got she-wolf Oh, snap. Karen Dunn got her claws back in you, Dave Mustaine. He has got some real bad issues with women. Yeah, man. Just generally. I do wish that this the album was called Cryptid Writings. Oh, that would be tight, because then it's a she-wolf. She's like a lady werewolf. That's right. Like Leah from the Twilight series. That's right, man. She just wants to imprint on somebody and never got it, for all I know. Uh, but the lyrics are, I mean, come on, like, the mother of all that is evil... Her lips are poisonous venom. Wicked Temptress knows how to please. The priestess roars, get down on your knees. I mean, praying mantis. Yeah, Enchantress. Yeah, there's just a lot of yikes, man.
1: He's got some complicated feelings. Maybe they're not that complicated. I
0: don't think they're complicated. I think they're pretty focused. Yeah, Yeah. But yeah, somebody done wronged him. Karen done wronged him. But he also wronged Karen. Yeah. That's the thing. This is what happens. This is that train of consequences we were talking about earlier, David, as you're known in your episode of Black Scorpion from 2001, David Mustaine. You can't mess around on Karen with Diane. It's her best friend. You just don't do that. You don't pit two wonderful women against each other for your affections. I know it may make your male ego just soar, but you can't do it. And then when they turn on you, when Diane and Karen, they start... A relationship together and then they just flaunt it in your face you yeah. can't get mad at them you can't write a song about it and i mean even your other woman is not going to be left. yeah we haven't I mean, even gotten to the third woman yet yeah, gloria she's just going to go back with diana and karen
1: and they're all going to live happily ever after in the most amazing three-way you've ever heard about
0: and you're going to be left alone hanging on by the skin oh my teeth <laughs> reminds me of that movie the other woman do you remember that one um where it's about a guy who's like messing around it's got like cameron diaz and leslie mann and they're both his women but it's also got a third woman kate upton and it stars jamie lannister do you remember that one it's not called the other other woman (laughs)
1: no
0: oh it's not called chasing it's not called chasing poppy what is what is chasing poppy it's about three women and the guy is fooling around on them this sounds like the white people version of that. Ah, Maybe uh, it's a remake. Who knows? I can look at the trivia if we like. But yeah, it reminds me of that. Like This saga of Gloria, Diane, and Karen mm-hmm. sounds very much like the characters that we all know. Carly and Kate and Amber, who are all wronged by Mark King, played by Nikolai koster Waldo. What the I don't hell? know how to say his name. This is a more mainstream movie? It was a big hit. Cameron Diaz, like I said. Kate yeah. Upton. A lot, what, of, what lot of white folk it? with blonde hair. He has a type. What year was it? Maybe you just thought they were all the same woman. I don't think so. You you don't mistake those three women. This was 2014, so this is pretty oh, recent. This pretty was recent. Yeah, I mean, it had Chasing Jamie Pop- Lannister
1: in it. Chasing Poppy is actually an older movie than that. Like how old? I think
0: I first saw it in like 2003, somewhere around there. Very well could be a remake. It's it's all they do on TV now is just take shows from other countries and other languages and, like, pretend that they're new ideas. They're not new ideas. These are all old ideas. But the idea of three beautiful women Mm -hmm. named Gloria, Diane, and Karen Mm -hmm. wronging a man named David Mustaine... That's eternal. That is forever. That's the kind of story that you just hear every single day. Well, I mean, that's his point of view. Is that they all wronged that's him? What, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm going from his perspective because he's writing the songs. He's the the victor. Uh, tells the story of history, yeah. however yeah. that goes. Yeah, um, this is the that's... Dave Mustaine version of that. But you know, he's such an evil man. Of we as we've discussed, <laughs> and he's done so many misdeeds and wrongdoings. Oh gosh, he's kind of like a prince of darkness. Which takes us to our final song of the album, titled Prince of Darkness from Risk. Oh, well, that
1: was uh, that was definitely a mosh pit song at the end there. Do you yeah. think that this is him kind of unburdening himself about like, look, I've told you guys all these
0: stories. The truth of the matter is, I am actually Satan. Is this like his... <laughs> End of a Scooby Doo episode moment where he's just like pulling the mask off and it's like, I was Dave Mustaine, but really I'm the devil. That would be cool. I would have gotten away for it too. (laughs) You (laughs) You listeners out there. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's pretty much the long and the short of it is Dave Mustaine is Satan himself. Well, here's why it's great. The Dark Lord. No, this is a, a cool way to end it. It really is the culmination of his feelings on either himself or society. Depending mm-hmm. on how you feel when you're listening to these songs, yeah. this is the culmination of all of his, uh, all of his badness yeah. uh, spread throughout this entire record, all across their entire career. It's also the most metal thing to talk about. The Prince of Darkness. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean Black Sabbath started it. Yeah, with this is the song metal in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually what I was thinking when I was we were listening to the song. I was like, these lyrics are so like not specific to anything yeah. and they are just metal to the core they're like metal buzzwords my victims are rich or poor young or old stronger weak i cause millions of accidents i am cancer in your bones i fathered the lie twist what you say speak not the truth i am insidious impartial deep inside your chromosomes. Which chromosomes, you don't hear that word used in Houston songs very often.
1: True, true. I was like, oh, chromosomes. All right,
0: you got me listening. I'm interested. You woke me up. Uh, took me back to bio in the high school. It's like you could give this to Ozzy Osbourne. You could mm-hmm. give the song to Dio. Mm-hmm. You could give the song to Queens of the Stone Age. Actually, I really felt when we were listening to this, this sounded back to my comparing them to Metallica. This mm-hmm. felt like a Metallica song if you sort of lightened up some of the themes of the devil, uh-huh. it would sound like a Metallica song from the late '90s. Yeah, it like sounded a,
1: s- a little hard. The lyrics are a little hard for. Yes,
0: that's what I mean. It's like yeah. soften those lyrics up a little bit, but like the musicality of it really sounded very like load reload Metallica, mm. kind of like a little bit bluesy to it. But it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. It was really a good one to end on. I think yeah. it was. It was because Megadeth is a metal band, one of the quintessential metal bands, and yeah, you got to end it with that quintessential metal feeling. Yeah. And now that you've listened to Megadeth, mm-hmm. what do you think? What are your feelings on it, on them? I enjoyed it. I mean, I think that listening to all 17 or so of these songs... 17 tracks is what we've gotten through over the course of the show, folks. So sorry for the length of the episode, but we had to do our diligence, you yeah. know? I-, I think that 17 of the most metal
1: uh, Megadeth songs is maybe the limit for me, listening to 17 of them in a row. But that said, I really enjoyed it. And there's
0: definitely some songs that I'll be downloading later to uh, have in my collection as well. Hell yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, if I listen to this album, I usually tap out around right after Hangar 18, uh, which I believe is like 13 or 14 in there. And the version that I normally listen to does not include Mechanics, that one we threw in Extra. But I can see how it could be a little exhausting. Yeah, it was like I was telling you actually before we started recording. I saw Kissing Concert recently. Yeah, uh, who I would love to cover on the show one day, but. Every single song, uh, their stage was crazy. It was fireworks and fireballs and the screens had something on them. And one of the band members or all of the band members were climbing on a platform and flying over the stage or flying on the crane or, or Gene Simmons was spitting up blood. or It was like just overload. Yeah. And... Maybe like halfway through the concert, I was just exhausted by it. <laughs> it was one of the greatest concert experiences of my life. But man, like especially, and by the end, it was this insane final explosion of everything that they had on the stage exploded at once, and it was like, wow, that was amazing. I need a nap <laughs> for sure. And I feel the same way about this. Like Megadeth is a heavy band, yeah, with some heavy themes and definitely heavy music. And I feel like if you're in the mood for it, though. Can't get much better than this. Oh, yeah. If I were a 15, i just put this on repeat and be, just be in my dark room thinking dark thoughts. Uh, yeah. Actually, that'd probably or be not, a good Or if you're me in idea. your mid to late 30s on a track <laughs> uh, trying to get some energy from these songs. Uh, they are not as prestigious or as beloved as Metallica. But, I mean, I put them right up there musically with Metallica. Dave Mustaine's voice is unique. It's like it is uh, a treat. It is a treat, honestly. And it's not for everybody. I'm going to admit that Megadeth is definitely a acquired taste. Mm. But it's a taste that I acquired and man is it sweet. You know, I think after this episode, I too have acquired the taste. Oh man. But what did you folks think? Did you bang your head to Megadeth or did it make you want to slit your wrists? You know, the, the way Dave Mustaine wrote about, it, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's all we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want you to do anything. Like we that. don't get that dark. We don't, don't get th- that dark. Please let us know. You can let us know by email at at gmail.com or. Oh, or you can go on Twitter and find us at hwigpodcast or on Instagram at hwigpodcast. And don't forget to hit us up on that Facebook page. Baby, that's where we got this suggestion from Darren Beasley, who, all cards on the table, is my best friend. He's the one that we made the the stuffed animal movies back in the day. So he's the one that suggested it. He reminded me of a time when, when he was making a favorite bands list uh, mm. back when he was a teenager. I wasn't here for this, but he and his friend, uh, he and our friend, Uh, Matt were making lists of their favorite bands and Metallica was Matt's number one he's the one who introduced me to Metallica and metal music as a whole and then he put Megadeth somewhere else on the list and he was saying comparing the two bands and he said that you know like Megadeth like it just doesn't roll off the tongue like it's milk death but instead of like metallica it just rolls off the tongue <laughs> so it was points. a discussion about that that eventually led us to doing this subject today so thanks Darren for writing in and please remember to write in yourself let us know what you hate so we can tell you why it is g- great but until next time folks i'm john bring and i'm sebastian Kalichick. and this is here's why it's great I know it's at the Universal Studios tour because uh. it's like a dun 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 na 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 na